Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. of February 2012, and this is episode 47 of the Skeptic Wire podcast. I am a host, Gary Lawn, and with me, as per always, is Donna Swafford. I am the product of a monkey. You are a product of a monkey. Will you have anything to do with our socialist agenda this week? I'm trying. Okay. It's on my schedule. And what about you, Greg Perrine? For I am the Pirate King! That'll come in. Is that is that socialistic in any way? No. But no. it is so a paradox. So you have a socialist agenda. No, it's a paradox. It's a paradox. paradox. A most ingenious paradox. Mm. <laughs> a paradox. Yar. That'll make sense later. Okay. okay. <laughs> but Two you're dogs. not wearing a pair of socks. <laughs> no, a pair of ducks. Oh. oh, a pair of ducks. Not Doc Martens. Quack, 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 quack. Ah. <laughs> so when I re-listen to the podcast while editing it, I'll get that. Yes, but nobody else will. Right. Okay. And with us this week is uh, Dr. Allison, a friend of ours, uh, who has agreed to come in and talk about one of our topics, uh, which we will divulge later in the podcast. Hello, Allison. Well, hello. Who are you? Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Allison. What are you doing in this house? I'm a socialist. <laughs> but are you the product of a monkey? I believe so. Okay. <laughs> And she will have something to do with our socialistic agenda. Our socialist cow agenda, no yeah. less. Skeptical birthdays. Do we have any skeptical birthdays? Yes. Um, today, February 29th, is a fun and interesting day in that it is Leap Day. I thought it was Hump Day. Well, it's also Hump Day being Wednesday, but tw- the 29th... So many choices! <laughs> Leap Day is, you know, the day every four years when we actually add an extra day to the calendar to make sure that the calendar still makes sense because our year is not quite 365 days. So that means that some people only have their birthday every four years, which is the center of the plot of the Gilbert and Sullivan opera Pirates of Penzance, which is why I sang For I Am the Pirate King. The whole idea of um, the plot is that this pirate apprentice, Frederick, says, okay, I'm 21, I've done my apprenticeship, I want to leave the pirates, goodbye. I, you know, And he goes off to the shore and falls in love with a maiden like that. And Well, it is an opera. Yes. Slut. And immediately, <laughs> immediately after that, um, the pirate king and, the, um, his, and Frederick's nursemaid realize that um, they want him back. So in order to get him back, they go and remind him, you were born on leap day. Even though you are 21, technically, you, you are only five and a little bit over. <laughs> so they said, you're, you haven't done your, your servitude to the Pirate King because you haven't hit your 21st birthday. And they sing this song about, oh, what a funny little paradox this is. But it kind of sucks for Frederick, who can't be with his love anymore because he has to He's go be a pirate. pirate. Right. Speaking and, of pirates... And where, and where, does, where does the... Uh... The very model of a modern major general come in. The general sings that song. You'd think so. <laughs> he, anyway. Yes. 
<laughs> so, so that's not the skeptical so, so birthday. Gilbert but... and Sullivan, Gilbert or Sullivan was born on today? No. That's just <laughs> the character <laughs> of Frederick was born on Leap Day, which is the plot. Um, so a fictional character. So, a fictional skeptical character who's yes. not at all skeptical. I was originally going to go with um, <laughs> the self-help author and motivational speaker Tony Robbins. Oh, he nice. of big foreheadness, um, <laughs> who's basically very into things like neurolinguistic programming, and you're used... just trying to get us to mess up, aren't you? No, no, no. <laughs> Um, and he also seems to be a little pseudoscientific when it comes to the idea of proving yourself through firewalking. So he's he's not the worst kind of wooey type person out there, but he's the whole kind of self-help industry is based on some kind of shaky psychology. But he's not evil. And he was born on the 29th of February, 1960. But he's not evil. Excellent. Moving on. Uh, we have a problem in Texas still? Um, a new problem. <laughs> well, I, I would say that it's a kind of a problem. The Freedom From Religion Foundation fired off a letter to the Joshua Independent School Board recently after it came to light that they were invoking invocations before meetings. Or they were having Gretchen. invocations before meetings. Plus, they also had an assembly at one of their elementary schools where children were sent home with a flyer inviting them to a kids' fest at a local church that was proselytizing. So the FRFF fired off this great letter, and the school board is kind of going, well, I guess we shouldn't have done that. Uh, da, 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 da. But the Joshua, Texas Joshua news- Star newspaper has run a poll that says, basically, do you think that really, you know, we that we should just go ahead and pray anyways and everything else. And there's a couple of choices. Please Fight this, even if a lawsuit is filled. Stop all invocations. A moment of silence is appropriate. Have students offer inspirationals. I, right. I like how in this poll they split the we shouldn't have prayer in school vote because they have one option one is fight this no matter what. Option two is there should be no prayers. Option three is a moment of silence is okay. Those two might split the well, I don't think religion should be part of school, but moment of silence might be okay. So, Well, out of 98 votes, 47 of them uh, want to fight it. Right. Because they're um, not paying attention to basically anything. Right. <laughs> and when Superintendent Dane was approached about all of this, about him delivering the invocations uh, before graduations and before meetings. He said he usually delivers it at the beginning of board meetings, but does not invoke Jesus's name and ends the prayer in his name. Amen. He was not going to give an invocation after Monday night before Monday night's board meeting, but did so only after trustees encouraged him to. Okay. Well, Oh, and by the way, he's announced his retirement. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking that's just a little. Wonder, wonder who they're going to have um, take his place. Yeah. And according to him, he doesn't know a prayer that doesn't end in amen, so that's why he uses amen. Okay. Or uses in his name. No, he says, but I don't know a prayer that ends in that doesn't end in amen. Well, what about rub a dub dub? Thanks for the rub. (laughs) Yay, God. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. See. 
<laughs> See, I always thought I always thought the prayer was, "Hey, go easy on the butter. It's two dollars a pound." Okay. Yeah, God. There <laughs> you go. My was, I think it was a uh, wait. Uh, thank you for the food. Wait for it. <laughs> Ow! Okay. <laughs> it was usually how we ended it. How about you, Greg? <laughs> we didn't really pray before meals. Yeah. It was, you know, Northeastern liberal Christians who just didn't make it a thing. Heathen? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my dad was like, either something about how much the food costs or go ahead and just spill the damn milk now, okay? Because I know <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> just go ahead and do it. That would be a fairly tedious conversation every single night. Spill the milk. <laughs> Okay, milk is spilled. I don't want to spill Continue. the milk, Dad. You <laughs> will spill it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, all right. So the, FR, the FFRF is waiting for a reply back. They've asked for an apology. Dane says that he's not going to give it. It looks like it might turn into a little bit of a pissing contest, but we will keep you updated. Yeah. Yet another whack-a-mole story about prayer and government. And once again, back in Texas. <laughs> Yay, Texas, our fair state. Leading the charge against unconstitutionality. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of... Um, actually, I don't know how I'm going to segue into this one. Illegal and unconstitutional bad stuff. Sure, that's a good good way to go. Thank you. Uh, I filed my taxes this week. Yay. Very exciting. Good for you. Did it all online. And the next day, I, I, I did the, the electronic... Uh, filing. E-file. E-file. Thank mm -hmm. you very much. And the next day I received in my uh, my mailbox, fortunately I have a, a very good spam filter, but the, the subject was, your tax appeal is rejected from hgreen at irs.com. Now mm -hmm. funny that his email was, well I presume it's he, was H Green G R E N E, but it was from Beulah Sheehan, <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought something is amiss, and then I looked at something the two, something isn't quite right, and it was just basically a whole bunch of misspellings of or, or different names at, at my address, so it was it was a it was a fishing expedition, but they they used the IRS logo. So I reported them to phishing at irs.gov. So the point is, uh, one, I'll probably be out of this year. <laughs> <laughs> and two, um, pay attention to uh, all of this tax stuff, because it, it was probably a coincidence that I got it on the next day after filing. But you look at it and your tax appeal is rejected. Well, first of all, I wasn't appealing, but... I mean, when you see something from IRS, the first thing you think is, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a scary, scary sight to see a letter marked IRS. Yes, and that's what they do. They send it via letter, not yeah. via email. Although I did get a response back from the phishing at irs.gov saying that I my uh, thing was reported. but And they said that I might <laughs> not. <laughs> Liars. So just pay attention in this tax season that... You may be getting some spammy email. Make sure before you start clicking on links and filling out forms, you know who sent the email. <laughs> you, you might want to say, be skeptical. Indeed. Be skeptical. And I use the word indeed again. Damn it. 
Indeed. <laughs> exactly. So IRS.com, bad. IRS.gov, well. less bad. <laughs> not <laughs> illegal. <laughs> but not illegal. <laughs> but not a scam, probably. I like that. Not a scam, probably. <laughs> yeah, you're getting audited this year. <laughs> My name is Greg Perotti. <laughs> Rat bastard. Well, he's not going to pass for doctors Donna and Allison, so. Yeah, that's true. I hate to tell you this. My name is Calliope Luna. <laughs> that's right. So speaking of things that have happened this week, or at least this past week, uh, there has been sort of a, a kerfuffle kind of deal about the CDC releasing some infectious disease data concerning raw milk. Uh, basically, it was a, a review of dairy product outbreaks from 1993 to 2006 in all 50 states. And what they discovered was that there were, uh, were 120 outbreaks during that time of known um, pasteurization. So, because we're talking about dairy. It was basically non-pasteurized or unpasteurized versus pasteurized dairy product. Um, so raw and natural milk versus versus processed milk. Processed. Yeah. So of all of the outbreaks, 121 of the outbreaks were known, whether it was not unpasteurized or pasteurized. Of those 121 outbreaks, 73 of them were non-pasteurized. That's 60 percent. Uh, there were 1,571 cases, 202 hospitalizations, and two deaths caused by these outbreaks. So to, to reiterate, the non-pasteurized or raw milk res resulted in 1,571 illnesses and had a hospitalization rate of 13%, whereas the processed or pasteurized milk had 2,842 illnesses with a hospitalization rate of only 1%. So whereas there were less illnesses of the raw milk, it resulted in more hospitaliz hospitalization. Right. It was and tend, where, to be, tend to be worse. Yeah. And, and it's along the lines of raw milk is such a minority beverage compared to pasteurized milk, but they have so much more illnesses. Right. And that, and that, was, the that was one of the, one of the things that, that the study said is they estimated that maybe 1% of milk being drank is raw milk, um, which leads to this figure that they give of um, unpasteurized milk being 150 times greater uh, in their no uh, number of outbreaks linked to than to pasteurized milk. So bad. It's really bad. It's, it's far easier to get sick off of raw milk than it is pasteurized milk. But raw milk is all natural and healthy. That's what they say. And that's the first fallacy of the topic. Indeed. <laughs> and so that's why uh, we brought Dr. Allison in. I have a PhD in microbiology and immunology and do infectious disease research. Okay. So you know about the immune system then. And this sort of ties into that. Correct. Especially with the cow in some certain nasty words we'll be saying later. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Let's look at the top 10 reasons to drink raw milk. Let's let's do. So according to cheeselave.com, there are 10 reasons. And their first reason they give is raw milk is vastly more nutritious than pasteurized milk. 
They list a whole bunch of vitamins on this list from vitamin C to vitamin B, vitamin A, iron, iodine, all of these saying that raw milk has these in abundance. Vastly yeah. more. Vastly more, yeah. Vastly more in abundance. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas there's a lower nutrient uh, ability in pa- availability in pasteurized milk. So is this true? When you see something like this, um, of course you want to go look this up and make sure that these this is true, right? Well, that we want to look this up because we want to know the truth. Right. We don't have dogma. So... Where Good where movie. a scientist would go would be to the NCBI or or what's popularly called PubMed.gov, which is just your repository for all scientific uh, publications that are peer reviewed and put in all the journals. Yeah, this list of different vitamins and stuff lists in very very tiny print saying, oh, this study proves this, this study proves right. that. So you can go then onto PubMed and look these up. Of course, a lot of these studies were coming out of like the 19, early 1980s. However, um, there was a recent study done, uh, published in the Journal of Food Protection by McDonald's and colleagues, and this was done in November. King and Wendy's? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, no, L.E. McDonald. Yeah, he had a farm. McDonald, actually. Let the scientists talk. (laughs) They're from the Center for Public Health and Zoonosis at um, Ontario. Veterinary college. Wait a minute, Ontario? That's not mm-hmm. in America. Right. Okay, just make sure. But it sure. doesn't matter. They they still have the same access to PubMed.gov, and so okay. they went through and looked at forty. They they sort of did this this study, um, a systematic review and meta analysis of everything that's been published that they could find. That's actual scientific data, not websites and, you know, uh, cheeseslave.com. Not, not, not just anecdotes of, of yeah, right. I drank milk and suddenly and I cured. don't have asthma anymore. <laughs> right. These are 40 studies um, that they found on, on, in, the, in the medical literature. There was nothing really significant that they found that raw milk did as compared to, to, to pasteurized milk. There were a couple of things, which I think we'll just call out. They said vitamin B12 and E decreased following pasteurization and that vitamin A increased. But the, these authors go on to say that there were you know, these studies that said this, but that the effect of pasteurization on milk's nutritive value was minimal. Pasteurization was on the value was minimal because many of these vitamins are naturally found in relatively low concentrations in milk anyway. So, so, so the vitamin B, whatever. You're not getting the bulk of your vitamin B12 and E from milk anyway. It, it, Take a it multivitamin. It went from 0.00001% it, to 0.00005% or something right, like it that. Was, it, was, it was very, very small changes that were occurring. Um and then they went on just to sort of categorically, you know, deny that, that there were any protective effects for allergies um, or lactose intolerance or cancer that raw milk can give you. And we can go into those topics, too. But did they, they conclude this study, this McDonald group concludes just saying these findings should be interpreted with caution given the poor quality of reported methodology in many of the included studies. So these 40 other studies that have been done throughout, you know, the time, some of these dating back, you know, like the 80s, people that said they were even finding any changes 
comparing pasteurized to raw milk, really the methodology is called into question about these studies anyway. So they, they, you know, any any claims that these former authors were, were making are, are called into question. So whatever effect size they found, <laughs> which had a lot of noise in it in any way from being a bad study, right. is also just a small effect size in the first place. Right, and the, the thing is that the methodology... Um, you know, we can point to one of these studies specifically, the Gabriello study. That's kind of one that raw milk um, proponents claim, oh, this is the end all be all because they, they in, in Europe, they went and, and surveyed 8,000 8, some odd, you know, people. But the thing was, it's, it's a study that uses survey data, which is just basically calling people up on the phone and saying, how much raw milk do you consume? Do your kids have asthma? So asking the parents about their consumer behavior and what they their judgment is on their child's health and well-being. And so that is not a, a good, solid scientific experiment. That is not good methodology. You know, you would really need a controlled study over a long period, you know, get a control group of, of, of kids that are getting raw milk and not getting raw milk and, and you know, having an allergist uh, come in and, and you know, and, and assay these children, you know, for, for whatever they, uh, you know, what kinds of um, medical tests they might be doing on them to, to, to really, you know, ascertain if these kids are getting better or getting worse or, or what have you. So the, the Gabriella study has been called into question as well, that the methodology, you know, you might do, you know, a survey of 8,000 people, but if it's, you know, if the day, if this method's not good, it doesn't matter how many people you, it you can only ask. give you general trends and kind of a point in the direction of how to really do your Perhaps, real but it, science. But it, it's, it's, it, it's it might be just, it's self-reporting. Yeah. It might be invalid. <laughs> it, it, um, it, it, it's self-reporting of people who self-selected to drink raw milk or not sure, in the first true. place. And right. it doesn't, it doesn't, there, there could be so many other variables here that they're not, you know, they may not have, have accounted for. Um, well, be, besides kids. which it was raw milk versus boiled milk, which is that, actually. That's true. Well, that should, for the Gabriella study, that, that, that is a good point to, to, to bring that up. They were, they were comparing raw milk to, uh, to, to boiled milk, as you said. Right, which is different from. Completely different than pasteurization, mm -hmm. as, as we do in the United States, which is flash pasteurization, uh, which um, does not, you know, break down the proteins like, uh, like a boiling would. So. Which actually leads us into the next one of the top 10 where they state that raw milk contains enzymes and that pasteurization destroys all the enzymes in the milk. Mm -hmm. That it destroys calcium. Yeah. Calcium I, is calcium. <laughs> well, right. And, and I, I, first of all, I have no idea what enzymes specifically they're talking about. So that's uh, hard to ascertain. We don't have to know it. <laughs> you just have to know that it well, does that. Yeah. We don't yeah. know what they're talking about there. <laughs> now the, the, there are, are studies um, where they've looked at, uh, different types of pasteurization, and this is how I believe this is how they've come to this very specific pasteurization process, which is 161 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 seconds. Is that they're, they have looked at uh, milk, which is, is is there's two kinds of proteins here. There's caseins and whey proteins. They know that caseins are more heat resistant, and the whey proteins can be broken down easier with with um, with pasteurization, but at this 15 seconds of pasteurization, these whey proteins are not breaking down considerably. It's long enough of a heat process to destroy the bacteria, bacteria. but keep the enzymes. The so whey proteins. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. In the milk intact, and but 
I mean, we can go on even deeper into this in the biochemistry of this. Breaking down these whey proteins may or may not do anything because when you drink the milk, you break down the whey proteins. <laughs> like that is what digestion is. So having intact whey proteins. Now, somebody could argue, well, there are some, uh, you know, people have shown some health benefits for whey proteins, but the jury's still out. I mean, you know, I have a bottle of whey at home that I, you know, drink for, for protein, you know, to, to bulk up, you know, get the good protein in there. But am I taking it to to prevent cancer or to for allergies? No, no I, you way. know, I'm not. Or to boost no, your immune no system. Way, no way, Gary says. <laughs> oh, I missed that one. I really wish. I really <laughs> the wish look, I the still. The look of disdain on your faces. I really wish I still <laughs> oh, had missed that one. that's just boredom from Donna. But <laughs> no. Well, actually, what I was going to say is. Why don't we skip some of these? Because she's covered kind of a lot of the arguments that they've There's already lot, used. Yeah. But number five is one that I found kind of particularly interesting. It says raw milk is safer than pasteurized <laughs> milk. It, that it contains quote unquote built-in safety systems systems that help destroy pathogens. Right. Right. So yeah, this is a fun and one. Um, if that, you, that's I, why I'm, it's a, it's a hundred and fifty. Times more likely to cause an outbreak than right, exactly. <laughs> right, you know, kind of what what they were telling us versus the the data is slightly not askew. But but cheeseslave dot com has has a, a graphic on the, the I, website that do. must be true, and it has red in it. And um, you know, I think they're, and they're citing trying to put Scientific American and the Lancet. I know they're they're they are citing the Scientific American from December '95 and the Lancet from '84. And you know, it's it's. I think this is just a one of those cases. It's a misinterpretation of of this data. Uh, the the to, to lay this out here, there's a table that is labeled "Destruction of Built-in Safety Systems by Pasteurization." All right, and so they have one side that says the components, and this is supposed to be the components of milk, and they list all these things, which are some hormones and some uh, some enzymes are listed here, but it also has Vitamins. B <clears throat> B lymphocytes, macrophages, neutrophils, lymphocytes, IgE, IgG, uh, antibodies, and, go, and so on and so forth. Well, what so, are those? So for... those are immune cells, all right? These are that... We mammals make these immune cells. These are what are called your white blood cells, right? And these normally, when you have an invading pathogen, they're in your blood or in your tissue. They will come in and they will attack it. They're kind of like, if you think a little graphic, they're like the little Pac-Man that comes in and eats the bacteria. All right? So right. this would be good to eat these This is drinks. a good thing. This That is normally a good thing. Uh, in your it, immune it's system... It's good to have them. It's, it's good to have them. Okay. We all have them. They're active in our bodies, killing bacteria and pathogens, virus, all day long. And the fallacy here is that more is better. Or well, drinking, <laughs> drinking them is good. Well, yeah. so then the next column over you know, sh shows... Uh, breast milk, raw milk, and pasteurized milk. Let's let's skip over the breast milk for a moment and just say there's a column that says raw milk and and pasteurized milk. So in the raw milk, it says that B lymphocytes, macrophages, neutrophils, lymphocytes, the, the white blood cells, your immune cells, are active in raw milk. Now the source of these cells is the cow, right? They're coming from the cow that is secreting these um, these cells into the milk. Right. Okay. In, Let's just say and that. Out and, the and, teat. and they're called and out through the teeth. They're called and it says active for raw milk. Pasteurized milk, it says all of these cells are inactivated. Okay. 
So now you think, oh gosh. That's horrible. That's horrible. Pasteurized, they're inactivated. Raw milk, they're active. It is, because but these things sound very tasty to they me. Do, they and do. The active but let's isn't green, this. inactivated isn't red. Yeah, I think yeah. These, these were in that, like, candy bars, aren't they? <laughs> no, probably not. Anyway, continue. But, but let's think about this. You have to think, is it a good thing to have white blood cells, which is pus, Active, that doesn't sound good now. Active, yeah, in your raw milk. You okay. know, when you were discussing this earlier, I, I kind of gagged a little bit, and I, I figured I was over it. Yeah, I'm. No, yeah, I'm this, so not. What this indicates is if you have mm. a high uh, amount of, of lymphocytes, macrophages, you've got these white blood cells, ha- high concentration of these cells in your milk coming out of the cow indicates that the cow is sick, that the cow is secreting these cells, that the cow has an active infection. In in the udders, it, it's so, coming probably out. Probably in the udders because it, it, the body will remove them before they kind of get there, right? Yeah. Generally speaking. Right. Right. So okay. they're in, it, it will be passed on into the milk. Right. Well, <laughs> consuming cow's immune cells is not going to help you. You're going to eat them. They're going to get digested in your stomach. Because they're foreign cells. They're it's foreign like having cells. a steak. At worst, they may be they may be carrying. <laughs> Just go with me, Carrie. Go with me. They might be carrying. They ca- a, might a be carrying cross. something like Listeria monocytogenes, which is just to say a, a, a bad, a, a pathogenic bacterium that cause diarrhea. And they might be you, you eating these cells. You could then liberate this bacteria into your body. So this is not a good thing. So inactivating them, killing these cells, these cow cells, is a good thing. You don't the, the cow want... cells that aren't going to do you any good anyway they're... because they're cow cells. So, right. And they indicate that the, the cow may be uh, sick. sick. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it, this is a misinterpretation on the part of cheeseslave.com of this data that this is a good thing to have active cow immune cells in your raw milk. So you would say it would be an uh, uneducated or ignorant opinion that this would <laughs> that they would say that that's a bad thing. Right. Right. And we could go back and look at the Scientific American or this Lancet article but and, and see what, what they were trying to assert here. But I, I think this is, has been taken out of context. Right. One of the big claims they make on, on this list, um, going back one step, is talks about lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. Now, lactose is an enzyme. Uh, lactose is the sugar. It's the sugar, and right. the lactase is the enzyme in your in, in small in intestine okay. that will break it down. So the lactose sugar is going to exist in both the raw milk and the pasteurized milk. It is not destroyed by pasteurization, right? So, but they're claiming that you won't be lactose intolerant to raw milk, right? That and does that's very counterintuitive. It's, it is counterintuitive. Now, the argument. Okay, first of all, let's just let's just say. We know that pasteurization does not break down the sugar. So that argument, we can put that one to rest. Well, that's just silly. That's just silly. Now, the arg- some people will argue, and you'll find this on the, you know, on the garbage on the Internet, is that, that raw milk contains probiotic bacteria, such as lactobacillus. All right? Lactobacillus, there are some studies uh, on, on uh, PubMed that have shown that, uh, you know, Populating your human gut, your small intestine with lactobacillus can help with the digestion um, of lactose. So people who are lactose intolerant take a lot of, you know, eat a lot of yogurt or kefir and and try to populate their gut with or take lactate. 
Well, registered you, trademark. You could take lactate. <laughs> that's a separate subject. But for probiotic, okay. Now, the argument is that raw milk contains or can contain lactobacillus. And if you pasteurize, it will kill the lactobacillus lactobacillus in, in the pasteurized milk. And that's true. That's absolutely true. But the thing about raw milk probiotics is that every single farm is going to have a different microenvironment on the teat of their, their cows, in their soil, in their uh, cow's feces, and what other am whatever animals they have going around, sheep, whatever, in that area. And also, whatever is um, on the farmer's hands that's going passing to the teat of the, assuming they're handling their cows that way. The, the assumption that people with that are drinking this raw milk is that every single glass of raw milk is going to contain lactobacillus, not only lactobacillus, the exact kind of strain that you need to digest lactose. So, but my argument is there's no way this can happen that every single farm is going to have this exact right strain and in the concentration that you need to eat enough of it to get through the gut and populate your intestine that you would have to consume every single day until you've uh, established this microflora in, in your gut. So, um, you know, there, there, that's a really fuzzy article, uh, argument because, you know, the, there, there, you can have lactobacillus in there but you might not, but you're taking the risk that there's a lot of other pathogenic bacteria in there. And there's a lot easier ways to get lactobacillus. You can get it from kefir, you can get it from milk, or you can get it from um, capsules. Or not milk, I'm sorry, yogurt. So, you know, I, I, there's better ways to get lactobacillus. Right. Well, one other thing that I wanted to touch on was that there's a statement here that says raw milk doesn't go bad. Um, she quotes it saying that she, if she finds a sippy cup of her daughter's raw milk left in the car, she doesn't have to waste it. She can just kefir it. Yeah. Kefir it. Kefir it. Yeah. Right. To me, this. Has so I, much bad in right, one little right. sentence. Right. Literally. I think I threw up in my mouth when I read this. Okay. Mm, <laughs> so there's milk. the fact that raw milk is bad in that it could contain all this harmful bacteria that you, you're not killing off with pasteurization. First of all, second, it's left out and non-refrigerated for a day, which is bad of all kinds of milk, but also well, that was left in the car, which is often goes up to 100 whatever degrees. And, and okay, really high temperatures might kill the bacteria, but... Probably it's not high high enough. Yeah. Again, this is the the issue is that there may be some bacteria in there that you can kefir, like the lactobacillus, but you're taking that risk that there's a pathogenic bacteria that will outgrow the you know the the probiotic bacteria in there, and then uh, you know then consuming it would just you're just you're just, just waiting to contaminate yourself just right. you know I, I, that's not a, a good thing and i and, and even states where they're regulating um and, and allowing this raw milk it, it still needs to be refrigerated yeah is is there do you know of any proof whatever of which is if raw milk stays fresher longer than yeah. pasteurized milk because i thought it was the other way around that killing off some of the non-pathogenic bacteria meant that it was less likely to spoil faster. Well, it, well it, it apparently it does because that was 
that's what some people rail against. <laughs> they they make the point that uh, it, that's why it's worse for you is because it stays better longer. Mm-hmm. But that's that's. <laughs> a, but I think it's not going to stay really milk for very long. It's going to basically become yogurt or cheese yeah. in the end. It. It's going to become kind of slimy in the bacteria because they're utilizing the sugars like lactobacillus ferments the lactose in the milk, and it's just it's it's going to break down, kind so of become it's slimy. Becoming alcoholic milk <laughs> needs a meeting. Kind of. <laughs> mm. But what, it's like Bailey's. One of the things that we mm, we touched up, or right you, you, yeah. you touched upon. Is and number seven uh, kind of states is is clean nutritious milk comes from healthy cows that eat grass, not sick cows eating grain. Right. And so what what you said basically earlier is that the milk has all of this stuff in it, but really all of these pathogens and the things that are making people sick mm-hmm. generally come from outside of the milk, from the teats, from anywhere from the cow's udder. To the time it gets into your mouth, right? Anything can go into that. Which is which is a, is a good segue into what happened recently, uh, just last month, uh, January 2012, with the um, the Pennsylvania outbreak of 78 um, people who have become ill with Campylobacter after drinking raw cow's milk. And um, I don't know anything about the the, the cows on. Um, I, it's called the family cow is the the name of the farm. <laughs> And I don't, I don't just know, and God I can't, intended. I can't, yeah, I, and they do say just as God intended. Yeah. We'll get to that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that did God intend these people to get sick is the question. So, um, the, so the, 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 the problem that I, I believe what I would have read so far is that they found that there was uh, the, the Pennsylvania went in and inspected this, um, this dairy farm and found that their water heater uh, was not hot enough. So when they're sanitizing, you know, their their buckets or their equipment, it, it wasn't hot enough. It wasn't killing the environmental bacteria. So their cows may be quote unquote healthy and happy, happy and, and grass fed and, and, the- <laughs> and pasture raised and all this stuff. But that's not the problem. Right. The problem here is this bacteria comes from the environment. The Campylobacter is um, a natural, well, I don't even say natural, but it, it is, it, cows, I think up to like 50% of ca- dairy cows carry Campylobacter. They're not sick. They don't look sick. They're, they look completely healthy, but they pass Campylobacter bacteria. And back, so can, it's like can, HPV for cows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not an STD, but. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an normal. MTD, a milk transmitted disease. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> but they carry they carry it in their feces, and uh, they they carry all kinds of things in their feces. This is normal. Everything everybody poops. So um, there's a book about that. There from is, Japan. and everyone <laughs> carries bacteria in their poop. And so actually, sixty percent of your fecal matter is it's for kids is bacteria. But um, that's well, just a fun that's a little fun fact. fact. <laughs> fun fact moment for you. I'm glad I didn't have dinner tonight. Um, <laughs> but the the so you can't get away. From cows pooping in the pasture. I mean, that's just, they're going to do that. And this is going to be passed around this pasture, no matter how quote unquote clean you think your pasture is. Yeah, pasture (laughs) around. (laughs) Gary, you're you're on tonight. So, so. The, the, the problem is that you still have to clean your buckets, your equipment, your hands, 
you know, the outside, uh, the, the teeth. The cow. The cow. The cow <laughs> because, it, 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 again, it doesn't matter how healthy, happy you think your cow is. You still could get, Campylobacter is just one of them. There are many, there's E. coli strains galore that can be um, all over there, or staff that could be on the, um, the, uh, the person milking the cows there could be on their hands that they think they seem like a healthy person, but it, it can get passed in, into the milk. And a lot of that stuff, if, if the kids are sick, like if kids eat it and get sick, but they haven't shown it yet, they can pass it on because kids don't wash their hands. Right. So that can spread quite quickly yeah. through a small community. Campylobacter in particular, because it is what's called, uh, and this will sound funny, but it, it's, it's fecal oral transmission. And that, that's a very common way for, for things to get passed. It doesn't mean that you're eating poop. But um, you know, little little kids. I wipe. gotta find an Adam Neve joke here but, somewhere. But. <laughs> but little kids wiping their bottoms are, aren't you know the the cleanest of that, and you're not if you're not washing your hands properly or daycare centers or that kind of thing. These things get spread. They just that that's just a natural cycle. It's a very natural thing that have happened. But if you put Campylobacter into our food supply and then uh, people are consuming it, then you, you you run that risk of of spreading the bacterium. One of the things that kind of is connected from that idea of just keeping your area clean is uh, not necessarily we're kind of moving away from the medical side here that a, a lot of the rest of these reasons that, that they had on their top 10 reasons to drink raw milk were things like raw milk is better for the cows and uh, clean, nutritious milks come from happy cows happy and cows. um you know, raw, basically, raw milk is better for the farmer because you're not giving to a big pharmacy, uh, a big corporation. You're giving to your local farmer. It's a lot of conflating the idea of, especially with the idea that a lot of these websites talk about, oh, well, the, it's health, the milk is healthier for you because the cows are grass-fed, not corn-fed, not soy-fed. But that's two separate issues mm -hmm. because they're all about – they're talking about raw milk, which is just the difference between did you heat it to 161 degrees for did 15 – Did you cook the meat or did you just shove it in your mouth? Right. Did you cook <laughs> it? But before it became the steak on your table or the milk in your glass, it does not matter. Once you pasteurize it, it's, it's – that's the same. Right. And that's and that you know and that's fine. I I'm all for you know support the local farmer and you know I go to farmers markets and have farmers markets all over this country and that's great. That is really great. I, I think that's a you know I'm all for this you know the the small business owner. That's fine. But you know when I go to a farmers market and and buy an apple, I take it home and wash it, right? Right. But milk, <laughs> you can't wash it. The way we wash it is we pasteurize it for 15 seconds or boil it. Well, or boil it, which which could which break down some things. Which could harm that way, which and could that's way insane. But oh, that was worse. But, oh, I apologize. It, it, it's fine. It's fine to to buy from these farmers. But here's here's kind of where I want to go. That's the bottom line is that it, it's you can make your own choice if you want to buy from these small farmers. And you think, you know, this is helping uh, our environment. This is helping your, you are, you know, an animal rights activist and you want to do this is fine. That, you know, I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I don't think anyone's here. Like, that's that's great. But the thing is, the reason why we have government regulation is to protect the consumer who may not know what they're getting, what the risks are. And so the bottom line is, I'd like to see something where it says it's raw milk, but and you should know that it 
has a risk. There is a risk associated with a known risk. The CDC has, you know, FDA have come out with these published reports that say there is a risk for drinking raw milk and put it on a label. It's just like when you go to a sushi uh, sushi bar and get it says, you know, consumption of this can harm you. And you make that calculated risk if you're a pregnant woman or a child or, you know, uh, someone who has cancer or immunosuppressed, you may not want to drink raw milk. You know, and if you just had a label on there that indicated that that this was this was produced in such a way that there could be the chance, a risk for mm-hmm. a pathogenic infection, that's all that needs to be said in, in my mind. And I think that the government clearly has taken that stance, too, because they're allowing what in 39 states you can still buy this. I think 29 for human consumption. Right. You can still buy raw milk in 29 states. But with the caveat, like you still need to have a clean environment, a clean pasture, a clean uh, work uh, environment, working and yeah, a clean farm. How you bottle it needs to be in a clean place. You need to clean your stuff. You need, your water heaters need to be at the appropriate temperature that you're sanitizing your equipment. Right, so it's somewhat regulated, but not really regulated. Right. Yeah. But I just think that the, the the caveat being well, okay, but then warn the consumer who doesn't know, who can't quickly test for Campylobacter. Tell them that there might be the risk of doing that, and then people can decide whether or not they want to take the risk and be 150 times uh, greater, more likely, more like a greater risk of, of contracting an infection by doing this. I mean, we all take the risk when we go eat sushi. I eat sushi, and I I know that there's a risk. I'm not going to sue the restaurant if I get sick, right? Because there's this label that tells me that it's there. You know, if if, if somebody was pregnant or whatever, they can make that choice. Well, I'm not going to eat that right now. But the the difference really, I think, a little bit between like a sushi restaurant and and buying milk, raw milk from the store is the sushi restaurant. One, you can you see the environment where everything's made, so you don't know how the fish got there. Mm-hmm. But you can see you can see okay, this the the restaurant looks like it's clean. The people are wearing gloves. They change the gloves between the whole thing. All right, there's not someone dripping snot onto my sushi. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> he says as he rubs as, his as I rub my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but when you buy raw milk, unless you specifically know that farm and the farmer and the people associated, uh-huh. you don't know any of that process. Right. You assume that it runs through the same clean, clean process that, that the so-called big, but even big cow. That the milk you get from HIV. <laughs> I know where you're going now, but e- e- even though these are microorganisms, you can't tell what a clean bucket and a dirty bucket look like. No, that's I mean, true. you really can't. The, it, if you wash one with water and you boil the other – you, you can't tell the difference. So, right. it, you know, it, we have to have some kind of regulation here or at least a warning label that says they're not re- required but, but the to pasteurize milking, that final product. The guy hooking the cow up to the big machine may be wearing a white lab coat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, they get, I, and the I, cows look happy. They moo when you come yeah. by. <laughs> right. And to me, this goes right back to one of the first roles of anthropology is if you don't trust the water or the milk. You drink the beer because it has been boiled and it has been through this mm-hmm. kind of process that kind of eliminates all the bad stuff. And everybody makes beer. So right. always drink the beer if you don't trust the food around you. That's mm-hmm. the first, I thought the first rule was you don't talk about anthropology. No. That's my <laughs> club. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, un- unfortunately, the idea of labeling saying, you know, this is raw milk, it could be bad for you, is most of the raw milk proponents – don't believe it could be bad for you. 
they there are a lot of raw milk proponents who are anti germ theory. Mm-hmm. There was one crazy article we found. I can't remember. Well, what was the name of it? It's uh, it's called uh, Louis Pasteur and the Myth of Pasteurization. Let's let's see what let's delve. Um, our microbiologist <laughs> thinks of of this particular. Now this this makes perfect sense to me, but you know I'm just an engineer, so I don't know shit about biology or anything. You lie. Of course, it doesn't make sense to you. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll, I'll read you. It's a short paragraph. Well, who's the spy? That's that's the the Minnesota Wellness Wellness of Minnesota. Wellness Directory of Minnesota. Okay, what do they have to we don't, say we about don't know no? Wrote. Hold on, you didn't say there. It's Minnesota. There you go. Okay, um, and this was actually. Discussed in a book called The Long History of Medicine, mm-hmm. where it is said the terrain is more important than the germ. So, Pasteur Pasture described germs as non-changeable. We know today from the use of dark field microscopes dun, that, dun, micro- dun. <laughs> that microorganisms are pleomorphic, that they can change and often do. A virus can become a bacterium, which can mutate into a yeast or fungus. Modern medicine has yet to acknowledge this because it would turn the pharmaceutical interests on their backs like a helpless tortoise. Again, we follow the money. So, I didn't know that a virus can become a bacterium which can mutate into a yeast or fungus. Well, I didn't know that either. Proof, <laughs> Proof but of you evolution. Went to what, what are they teaching you in these doctoral right. classes that you That is taking? actually, I'm just um, called BS on the whole thing. There, I, it, hey, it, hey, it hey, can't happen. Proof of evolution. Oh, right. Proof right. of macroevolution right uh, there. Well, if you want to say that, then yes, we all did stem from blue-green algae, and then we all became, you know, fish, and then we, yeah, but... Um, no, this is not that. That's just uh, just silly, just wrong. Um, this person is, uh, you know, hasn't taken a, a science class apparently. Apparently, that, that <laughs> he also hasn't I, been taking his medication. Or, yeah, well, I, I'm waiting for the fungus <laughs> to become a pop tart. Well, I know. So, <laughs> but so, I want it to become a car. Well, no, it becomes a car, then a bird, then a pop tart. Oh, is that how gotcha. it works? Yeah, Damn, but are, well, am I, do I really want to so ride in a car my, that's been a fungus? Before? So if my van, what does a van become? So if I wait long enough, I can I can probably get a lifetime uh, it thing becomes of a what, pterodactyl. Bar- Ooh. Pterodactyl. Bigger the van. Bigger right. The and then I have to wait for the pterodactyl to become, what, gummy bears or something? It's that big three-pound gummy <laughs> no, bear. No, strudel. Strudel? Yeah. Oh. Toaster strudel. I'm good. I'm good with that. Toaster. Sure, of course, because that would be It's the, like the Pop-Darts, the yeah. rival it's, to the Pop-Tart. Right. Yeah. Only with a fancier name. Yeah, like well, uh, car no. versus minivan. But really, game. they're smaller. No, it's, <laughs> it's you know, not. It is simply Pop Tart's slutty little cousin. I'm, the, I'm down with that. They're, they're, <laughs> they're kind of smaller, but you know, they, I, I always feel kind of like I get chipped when I get the toaster strudel because it's not yeah. as, as big as the Pop Tart. Yeah. And you have to put the frosting on yourself. But it's funner to say. Funner. Strudel. But they, they they have all kinds of varieties with the Pop Tarts. So many kinds of Pop Tarts, like. Mm. Chocolate. Fine, you're yeah. just making my minivan feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we've done. How did we get off this? Off topic. <laughs> I stopped to read the article a little bit, and I look up, and pop tarts and minivans are I, okay. <laughs> so, <Come on. laughs> this wellness directory of Minnesota about the myth of Pastor is very anti-germ theory, right? Anti-vaccination because they. But I think he goes. Yeah. If I'm not. If I'm not mistaken, I think he goes on to say that, you know, that 
pathogens don't cause disease. It's it's something else. And yeah, it's if, it's just that germs are make are profitable. It's very big pharma. Uh, if if we kept the germs, we would not be sick. But we're killing yeah. the germs, and therefore we are sick. That's right. Yeah, they talked about um, quote. Many so-called pathogenic germs are often found in healthy people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I mean, I'm just a, I was a psychology major, and I know that people who are not sick can have a germ and mm-hmm. not be affected by it. They can be fighting it back. Right. Or, can be or could just be benign on yeah. them. Yeah, you know, like they're kids, not affected by kids it. are carrying around this, the bacteria that cause strep throat all the time, you know, 85% of germ-riddled them Germ-riddled children. But, but here's the deal, so... You, you know, one of the arguments for proponents for raw milk say that, well, we should just drink all this bacteria and populate our guts with this all the time. And, you know, I am actually a proponent of probiotics. I, I have read enough of the research that, that there are some effects there, there, that populating your gut can can compete some of the more pathogenic bacteria. And, and we know well, they have uh, fecal transplants now. They, they they do. You're right. And and you know yeah, after a bout yeah. of diarrhea, they suggest that people take probiotics to repopulate the gut. That that's fine. That's fine. Or if they but, had a really se- serious course of antibiotics, they it, want to get some pro- exactly. probiotics back in. There. Exactly. And there there there's ongoing research in that field. And and that and that's that's fine. I get that. But the the thing with like say these 78 people who um, who drank this raw milk from this Pennsylvania farm and got Campylobacter. The thing is, Campylobacter does not stay in your gut. It's actually uh, what's called a self-limiting uh, infection, which doesn't mean it's any worse. It caused bloody diarrhea. It's really not that <laughs> not a great it's, thing to it's have. It's still disgusting. It's still disgusting, but um, it, it, it's a self-limiting thing. The Campylobacter actually passes through. That does not populate your gut. So the argument of like let's drink the raw milk so that we can get contaminated with these pathogens and then we won't become infected. Well, that has just been uh, discredited by these 78 people who drank this raw milk, contracted this bacterium, and now after they resolve the infection, they don't contain this Campylobacter and they could just get reinfected with Campylobacter again. So. It, it, it's not. A, it's not. A, it's a very weak argument that you want to populate. The, there are just safer, more regulated ways to get these bacteria, and that don't run the risk of having a pathogenic microorganism in with your good probiotics. Well, and this is something that just in the time that you've been talking, I looked up on their thing. This website lists in 1994, 105 people were ill from E. coli and listeria in California. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, Wikipedia, not exactly the best, but it is a jumping-off point. They have a list of foodborne outbreak illnesses in the United States. 1994, salmonella and ice cream from Schwansale Enterprise in Marshall, Minnesota. The outbreak was confirmed to have sickened people in 30 states. The contamination occurred when raw, unpasteurized eggs. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the milk. Well, so they're... Once again, trying to correlate falsely, purposefully, information right. that does not exist. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds sounds better if they can do it that way. <laughs> so, well, that that was also another thing. Um, it, it seems that we're getting more and more of these outbreaks. Uh, part of that reason is in, in 1998. 
uh, they started doing uh, better surveillance and reporting, so we got better statistics. So we're not really certain prior to 98 really what, what the breakdown was. But if there seems to be this mindset now where we've we got rid of a whole bunch of bunch of stuff that were due to raw milk. Um, now scurvy started right after pasteurization, but we fixed that, so you don't see a lot of kids with scurvy unless the parents are complete morons, um, which is possible, I suppose, because it, it does it does kill the, a little bit of vitamin C, and so kids were getting scurvy. But, but there's so little vitamin C in milk that it's right. easier to just eat an orange. Right, just just do something I else. I think they're just not drinking their orange juice. So. <laughs> you can't can't rely on milk as the your commercials enti- yeah. you see on TV show you a little bowl of cereal, a little piece of fruit, an <laughs> orange juice, and a milk. That that's, is what you're supposed to eat, America. That's right. Yeah, you can't rely on milk as your as your sole source, yeah, sole of, source nutrition, of nutrition, nutrition at all. And, yeah, yeah, because there's just not enough in it. Uh, but it, this kind of reminds me of the vaccines, where we got rid of you know the MMR vaccine, got rid of a whole bunch of mumps, measles, and rubella, and now we're seeing a big insurgence of. MMR because people aren't vaccinating. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing that you see with the raw foods. Oh, well, it's raw. It must be healthy. Well, the, you have to understand why we got to where we got and what, what it's doing for for society. Mm-hmm. But again, like you say, I like sushi. I will go to a sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. If I want to drink milk, I would like the option to drink milk, raw milk. But in that way, vaccines are a little bit different because there's – you're – you're affecting the people around you, whereas raw milk, with the exception of uh, the fecal oral, the, the fecal oral transmission, transmission yeah. or parents um, giving it to their children who can't right. control it, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's that mindset where we've forgotten the past, and we and I saw it on a couple of the sites. Oh, we were well by some very uninformed people where we lived longer and were healthier in the good old days. <laughs> You know, but that's the kind of mindset that, that you see, which is exactly the same as the vaccines. Oh, we were so healthy before we started having modern medicine. Like, no, well, we do you, do you know who then was fine, one... give up their penicillin. <laughs> <laughs> do you know who was one of the original proponents of the raw milk thing? Um, uh, wait, wait, wait. I know this one. Uh, Kim Jong-il. No. <laughs> no, we're not doing... If you don't know, just say no. <laughs> Socrates, <laughs> Plato, Plato. Um, one of the original proponents of raw milk was a man named Weston A. Price. Oh, I knew that. <laughs> no, <you> didn't. <laughs> he was a uh, 19th century um, dentist out of Cleveland, Ohio. And not, he, a toothiolo- not a toothiologist, but a dentist. A, a dentist. Okay. He was a DDS. Okay. But um, he really got into a lot of um, holistic dentistry where, you know, talked about doing hair analysis to see so if he dentistry was a toothiologist. was designed yes. to take care of holes, right? Pardon? Mm. Isn't dentistry designed to take care of holes, not make holes? Ah, see, it's a holistic holistic joke. joke. Oh, holes, holistic. See, I was trying to think of the next thing to say, and I apologize. I didn't get the thing. Don't apologize. It was a bad joke, so. (laughs) Take it like a man. That train of thought just passed me right by. (laughs) 
But um, so uh, Weston Price, not Westinghouse. Yes, uh, he talked. He want he he espoused um, hair analysis and dietary analysis and blood chemistry screening tests and and supplements for the body chemistry. Um, it, it was more of a, like a whole ment- mind body tooth. <laughs> tooth wallet. So it's for idea my, my, my of, of health. Wallet. Okay. That you know, um, yes, a lot of health depends on how healthy your mouth is. Sure. Well, this is why the the military uh, pretty much demands that the people during the military have good dental hygiene. Right. Because it can it can knock you on your on your feet, off your feet. <laughs> it can knock you off your feet if you can't eat. Oh well, and in leads yeah, it could lead to heart problems. Yeah, and a whole bunch of other yeah. things. But um. So uh, he had some theories that were uh, disproven in the 1930s, well before he passed, uh, like the focal infection theory, which was when you get a root canal, it actually, his idea was that it leaks bacteria into your body, which causes arthritis and other diseases. Hmm. It was definitely been disproven. Um, But a lot of the people who are espousing raw milk also are uh, followed the tenets of these other theories that this guy have there's even a, a weston a price foundation which is behind rawmilk.org or mm-hmm. rawmilk.com or whatever it is um, i think both <laughs> but the the reason the main reason why this guy was so pro raw milk is he took trips around the world to primitive areas and he would from what i've read it sounds like he would do very superficial analyses of people's mouths he would maybe take a picture of, you know, two brothers, and one brother was in the city and had modern food, and the other brother was at home and had raw milk and raw meats and stuff like that, and um, that kind of thing, and said, oh, well, this guy's, the person who had the raw milk and the raw stuff, he's healthier than this than the guy who's at the city, so that means that raw milk is better for you. But didn't take into account shorter lifespans, higher <laughs> rates of illness... It was a very superficial analysis of the the idea of civilized food versus natural food. So it's it, it a lot of it comes back to this one guy who it's it's like homeopathy where this one person said I think it's this way I don't have any proof but sure and and, then, and it's easier or, than actual learning yeah and it's become yeah or like Andrew Wakefield with oh yes vaccines. exactly it's become a tenant of faith to follow well Weston Price he was this not they don't call him a prophet or anything like that but they treat him like mm-hmm. he was someone who who solved it a hundred years ago well more than well 150 years ago yeah I think I think he also came up with the 150 mile per gallon uh, carburetor too <laughs> completely changing the subject you know I continue I can't. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these raw milk proponents are very big on cults of personality. I think there was very another so. there was another quote unquote doctor that we found out there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Dr. Langto. Very interesting. Uh, no, Dr. Group. Dr. Group. Dr. Group the third, I think, or it's just I I I because it's all about him. <laughs> Uh, D-C-N-D-D-A-C-B-N-D-A-B-F-M. Can BS? I buy a vowel with that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a D.C., which is... District of Columbia? Yeah. No. 
Doctor of chiropractic. Doctor okay. of chiropractic. MD, a naturopathic doctor. Not a doctor. DAC. <laughs> that would be not a doctor. DACBN. Not a doctor. I'm about to say all of these are not and a doctor. And DABFM. I don't know what frequency modulation doctor. has to do with anything. Uh, but he has, he has quite the professional profile. Uh, he's a holistic health practitioner. Certified, not a doctor. Certified yeah. clinical herbalist. Once again, not from the doctor. Natural Healing Institute of Naturopathy. Oh, he has a lot of stuff from the Natural Healing Institute of Naturopathy. That's Once a, again, not a doctor. That's not a, a mouthful. Doctor. Not a doctor. He's an ordained minister in Trinity, Texas, 1988. Um, and once again, um, he's a doctor. Mine took two minutes <laughs> online, and I became is that a an doctor that doesn't minister. drink on right. weekends. I think so. I think a designated doctor is a doctor who didn't get drunk at the conference. Anyway, so he is a very exciting person. His, and he had a uh, pasteurized, pasteurized versus raw milk, which one is healthier for you and your family. So uh, globalhealingcenter.com. Yeah, it, it's a lot of the buzzwords More of, crap. you know, the government has been, quote, unquote, protecting us from the, quote, unquote, dangers of raw milk <laughs> and talks about how raw milk is such a precious life-giving food and well, that you know that pasteurized milk is you know it's not fit for human consumption and 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 pasteurized milk has been implicated from everything from allergies to heart disease and cancer so once well, again it goes back to all those, those things, things are wrong um <laughs> if you just a quick pubmed search will 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 prove that but what kind of gets me on this topic, if we're going to kind of philosophize about it, is that, um, you know, I, I don't, milk is good for you. No, no, no doubt. And you give it to your children and calcium and it's great. That's, that's really great. Fortified vitamin D and uh, it's great. But, you know, this sort of this cult-like devotion to something like raw milk should be questioned by by anyone you know reading these websites and and I think we all know people who have kind of kind of gotten on this bandwagon of, of raw milk and you know it's, it's fine well, if raw, you the or whole raw pa products paleo paleo, paleo exactly and you know that's fine if you've calculated the risk and you say well uh, if I'm fine with getting diarrhea because I think that you know <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Because I think on a day, on a day to day basis, I feel like the the raw milk is healthy no, for see me. See here, I, I love dysentery. See this year, this this week, I didn't think we were going to talk about Santorum, but it comes oh. up every five minutes. Oh, jeez, yeah. But but the cult like devotion is is should be should be questioned about. Uh, you know, and and I know when 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 things like this come up and there's a controversy, people tend to swing to one extreme or the other extreme. But you know, again, I, again, I just want to go back to this bottom line: is just take your calculated risk. I'm not going to say no, 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 you shouldn't, or yes, 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 you should only have pastors. I, you know, I can't can't make those claims, but just just know that that risk yourself. And and and, and taking a cult like devotion to to one guy <laughs> who says, oh, it's a big conspiracy. The government is trying to hide all this stuff from you. Well. Question that and go check it out for yourself, and not by just googling around to wellness websites or you know naturopathy websites. You know, look for some real scientific something data. that ends in a right. .org or a .edu. Yes, as opposed to well, edu. Actually, actually uh, Cornell, Cornell University is a .org. You know, <laughs> uh, Cornell University, just to kind of give them a little shout out, is that they they have a great website. Actually, it's www.milkfacts.info. 
and you go to their milk microbiology um, website, and, and they really have quite a bit of information there. It's uh, you know, it, it's funny thing about it too. It's it's like they don't like say, oh my gosh, you have to drink pasteurized milk. They just pre- sort of present the data here, disease outbreaks associated with milk products, sort of the history behind it, some of the foodborne illnesses, some of the things that are going on in the news, and you, you can read about it for yourself and make your own decisions. But you know, it, it's just to be a good, informed consumer. To, to make your decision exactly and that's why we had you on <laughs> well thank you <laughs> i've enjoyed it all right well thank you very much allison for joining us on this segment well <laughs> <laughs> well you know i mean that was a great conversation that we just had it was really informative i think that that everybody really contributed and one, be- one thing one thing we missed um is what happened to the farm in Phil- pennsylvania pennsylvania, pennsylvania. Um, that that caused the outbreak. They didn't shut them down. The, the government didn't shut them down. They they just went in there, found out what the problem was, and had them fix it. Which was that Which leaky, kind of the, the, the not the, warm enough water, water heater. heater. Right. Yeah, the water heater wasn't working properly, so they fixed it. They uh, fixed now, it, now. and they were back in operation yeah. a couple of weeks later, as opposed to what would have happened to a corporate farmer, which probably would have been levied pretty hefty fines, Fine et cetera. And I do believe that they, they were shut down they for They shut brief- down until they found out what was wrong, and then they Which is only the responsible thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, that being said, that sets us up for... For... Lightning Round! Lightning Round! All right, Greg, I think you're going to start us off. What is the lightning round? Well, the lightning round is... We never um, get better at this, do we? No, never. (laughs) It's the brainchild of us when we started the podcast, when we realized we have so many topics that we're interested in that we post back and forth to each other on um, during the week that we realized we just don't have time to talk about all the stories we want to. So for the lightning round, we each choose two topics, and we get 90 seconds for each topic, to talk, talk about, about it as fast as we can, get as informative as, as we can, and to make any, as many jokes as we possibly can. And if we, at the 90-second mark, we do the dinger. The dinger. We have the rule of the mulligan, which means if you want another 30 seconds, you can ask politely for it, but try to keep it to 90 seconds. So I think this week I'm going to start with Gary. Yay! Well, the first one I have, I have two sort of sex-related things, but not in that way. Oh, damn it. Um, Actually, more reproductive health. So, first one. Okay, are you telling me that you became Republican? No. Scientific (laughs) America. Because I'm really tired of a government small enough to fit in my uterus. No. Actually, this is... Good for for older ladies. For my uterus. Uh, American Scientific American had a, a brief article about a study that was led by one Jonathan Tilly of the Massachusetts General Hospital, and they discovered that women, given the proper stem cells, can create more eggs. Uh, it is no longer, according to them, uh, dogma that. You are born with as many uh, females, or <laughs> females are born with as many eggs as they will have during their life. They they proved it, or they they showed it in mice uh, in 2004. Got a huge slapback on it, uh, saying that well mice are not people, 
so you can't possibly say this. So they went out and they found some eggs and put some human stem cells, human uh, eggs and some human stem cells, and they grew more eggs. They made a human omelet. Yes, they did. So that's really exciting for older people. Stem cells appear to be a wonderful thing. Very nice. And that actually segues really well into my topic. Well, then I'll go next. Go ahead, Dom. <laughs> um, recently in Lapo de Santo in central eastern Brazil, they found some cave art that is the um, little horny man. It's a rock carving of the of Talk a giant it. phallus. Um, it, they believe it was used as a fertility symbol, but the interesting part of this is is that it is actually going against the conventions of how the Americas were populated. Long-standing tradition has been that everybody came across the Bering Sea and you know came down and they stopped at very specific points. Clovis, New Mexico, was is a huge point, but this is now tying into Rick. Uh, no, not Rick, Rick Perry. No, Dil. Uh, Dillahay out of Chicago, I believe, who has found sites in South America that are predating Clovis. So this is kind of all tying into this whole interesting how were the Americas populated because this rock carving, very obviously made by humans, very obviously a fertility symbol, going against the conventions because it's predating Clovis stuff. So are you saying that the, that the new world was populated by some short guy with a big penis? Uh, no, they wanted a short guy with a big penis. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, but like I said, it's really kind of... It's an earlier civilization. Right, it's an earlier Far civilization. Right. And it's, right now, it's again contradicting the, the known... The, the dogmas. Ah, yay! Well, that's good. Overturning dogma is what we're all about. Well, the only connection... Um, that my first lightning round has to do with uh, the rest of that issue was that Gary was talking about older women might get more eggs. Well, there's a 52-year-old woman in the story. Oh. Okay. So what we have is in Lafayette, Colorado, um, I think Colorado, um, Nancy Marks is a psychic who, or a, 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 a purported psychic, who apparently... Uh, Bilked her customers out of over $300,000. Bilked? Yes. Okay, not built. Okay. Bilked. Okay. Um, She asked for cash. She got credit card numbers, bank numbers, um, and she was basically preying on the worst time in their lives where, you know, there were people who had kids and they were desperate to save their kid and they wanted the advice from beyond or whatever. Um, but this woman, Nancy Marks has been sentenced not only to pay back her victims, but she's been sentenced to five years in jail. Ooh. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. Uh, and now, unfortunately you get kind of a little bit of sliminess from the defense attorney, um, Anthony, uh, Stanley Marks. Um, I think that's a, villain in some movie somewhere. <laughs> um, he said, I think the sentence is over the st- over the top because I think the victims in this case were complicit. So it's yeah. basically kind of the victims were wearing a tor- tight skirt and they deserve to be bilked out of $300,000 at the worst times of their lives. Yeah. So good that this woman has been sentenced to jail. Yay, jail. 
And that brings us back around to Gary. Lightning round! Oh. <laughs> Me. All right. Well, I will start this like this. My sperm has no nose. How does it smell? It doesn't. It has no nose. The reason I screwed that joke up is because in Science Daily, they had a headline, Sperm Cannot Detect Smells, which is in reference... <laughs> it's, in re- it's in reference to this um, Lily of the Valley phenomenon, which is basically a scent known as Borgenol, uh, supposedly alters the calcium balance of herman sperm and attracts the sperm. Herman sperm? <laughs> Human. Human sperm? Herman, yes. Herman. Only people named Herman. Human sperm, and it attracts the sperm. Um, and so this, this kind of puts away with that. They tested it, and they um, found out that, no, uh, sperms cannot smell uh, so anything. So is this lily of the valley... A euphemism for the vagina? Or? Well, Lily of the Valley uh, is apparently a scent. It's actually a perfume. It's, it's a lily. Okay. And it's called Lily of the Valley, and it has some biblical overtones and all that. Um, but they did their little test and um, found so out. The, that a it, perfume it, that woman was wearing was supposed to attract, attract sperm? sperm, yeah. Okay, anyway, then. I'll, I'll post it. You guys can read about it. I just love the headline and... That's really all that I've read. It's kind of horrible headline writing. <laughs> well, funny. what have you got, Donna? Well, Richard Wade recently inspired a bunch of people in northeastern Pennsylvania to take out a bus ad. Very mm. common in the atheist communities because... So he's an atheist? Yes. Okay. Um, basically, the Northeast Pennsylvania Free Thought Society, in conjunction with American Atheists, took out an ad that simply says, Atheists. Period. That's all it says. Atheist, period. Period. And then the Minnesota Free Thought community or something? Northeastern Pennsylvania Free Thought Society. Minnesota. You know, they didn't say, you know, God is dead. They didn't say even millions are good without God. Just a simple statement. Well, the county of Lackawanna Transit System, a.k.a. Colts, decided that they could not run the ad because they do not accept ads which could be deemed controversial or otherwise spark a public debate. <laughs> so this At is... all? So like McDonald's on, on the side <laughs> of a bus is perfectly okay in spite of the ABC um, they run They run ads on a scrolling ticker that says uh, God bless America. Well, that's not controversial at all. Um, so this kind of comes from that idea that came up a month or two ago about is there an... Is there, you know, is there any limit to how people will consider an atheist bus ad offensive? Right. Pretty much, and that's what, you know, and it's been There is perfect. no limit. There is no limit to how non-offensive it can't be. So apparently our existence is simply offensive. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I, have no, I have no good segue from that. Um, okay, here, um, I got it. Hold on. What are not offensive are our listeners. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I have a couple of articles. They may be offended, however. I have a couple of articles here that uh, some of our listeners posted to our Facebook page, and I thought I'd uh, uh, mention a couple of them. 
A uh, quick one was posted by Bartlettsville, Oklahoma Atheist. Posted a lot. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, they uh, He contacted us this week and let us know that he's unfortunately kind of in the closet a bit, um, but uh, really he's kind of... in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, just wanted to say that we appreciate all the articles that you post. Yep. We do read them. And uh, one of the articles he posted uh, really was very... It was very short, but it was a very feel-good thing about um, the... Sam Noble, Sam Noble, Oklahoma Museum of Natural History. And um, they were having this um, event on Sunday where little kids could bring in objects that they found and have a scientist identify them. And it's great for encouraging curiosity, encouraging science of, you know, well, you know, I would hope that the scientist says, well, what do you think it is? Where did you find it? You know, you know, that sort of thing. So that's a really fascinating article. Yeah, it's it's really a little cool. feel-good thing. Yeah. Um, and another listener of ours... Uh, like car talk for scientists. <laughs> or, um, no, what's the... Um, With scientists. The, um, the Antiques Roadshow. There you for, go. Okay, sure. And I, I know I'm going to take a mulligan on this, but uh, another of our okay, listener... <laughs> <laughs> Still at 10 seconds. Um, uh, another listener, James Stringer, posted uh, a neat article from The Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Go ahead. Say The Guardian again. <laughs> so it's me saying that word? That's what I chose, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> guardian.uk.com or no <laughs> um, okay. in that newspaper there is a, a neat article sum, um, summarizing the <laughs> sorry, I'll stop now. the situation where uh, Simon Singh um, wrote a book with um Someone. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to edit the hell out of this. Broke, broke that, okay. Uh, Simon Singh wrote a book about alternative medicine, and um, in an article following up on that book, uh, talked about the British Chiropractic Association happily promoting bogus treatments, even though there was not a jot of evidence. And essentially, the British Chiropractic Council sued him over using the word bogus. Right. Um and uh, the article goes to talk about that, you know, what most skeptics kind of know about the situation that um, Simon Singh was sued personally. And a lot of times these lawsuits are to try to silence somebody, but he got a lot of support from the web and financial support from everybody to fight this fight against these draconian libel laws that they have in Britain. And it talks, the the article really goes on to say that, the lawsuit was bad for the British Chiropractic Council, and they actually admit that in an article that they wrote, hmm. that it gave them basically a big black eye, and it was very good for pro-science, because for it... pro-science? Did they actually put pro-science? Um, I hope not. No. For their sake. No, no. But <laughs> but that it was... Um, oh, what was it? They called it... Uh, Singh's crusade mobilized a dark force of UK skeptics, spelled with a C, 
who suddenly found their reason d'etre, shifting their attention from the fairy tales of homeopathy to the cure-all claims of chiropractors. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a call to arms for people who value reason and science to say, no more, we're not going to take any more of this kind of suing rather than actually proving something with science. And I know I went way overboard on that one, and I do apologize. <laughs> but it's a neat article in the Guardian webpage. And cool. it was posted to our website this last week. Well, not our website, but the Facebook page. Well, I'm, I'm glad uh, the Chiropractic Association figured it out. Or yeah. at least, a li despite being um, a little bit sour grapey about the whole thing. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, at least they... <laughs> You know, it's starting. It, it it had the side effect of also people started searching chiropractic websites to see how many people were claiming that it cured asthma or cured malaria or or anything like that. Kind of like raw milk. Yeah, and started um, reporting these chiropractic websites to to the government to, to, and there was a big increase in reporting of chiropractic websites for violations of truth and advertising stuff like that. Right. Which it can only be good for shining a light on bullshit. Right. So, if you run across a chiropractic thing uh, making health claims, uh, I believe we have the same law here in the United States that we that they can't make the, the claim that they cure anything. Right. Uh, so, you can report them. And if you get a, a phishing uh, email... <laughs> from uh, IRS.com. From IRS.com, or basically anyone claiming that... Uh, to be from the IRS or any any government, but IRS particularly, you can send your it bank. to phishing at irs.com. Uh, that's P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. Like the band? Yes, who are notably uh, always in trouble with the IRS. I'm just making that up. I really have no idea. <laughs> that was not intended to be a factual statement. Absolutely not. So I'll let you guys know uh, later if I get audited <laughs> for sending in, for helping the government out. It sucks. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> it really sucks. Yeah. I, I don't uh, I, I don't really have anything, anything to fear because yep. for various reasons. All right. So I'd like to thank everybody for joining me this evening in my house. Um, and for coming all the way across town. And we would all like to thank Dr. Allison Dr. for joining Allison us. for helping us. Yes. Uh, so thank you for coming out. Uh, thank you listeners for listening and downloading and such. And I'll try and get it right this time, the first time. No, I won't try. There is no try. There is only do. All right. Thanks for coming. Yay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Well, let's see. Oh, okay. Uh, hold on. D A C B N diplomat diplomate. <laughs> oh, diplomate. Sorry. <laughs> Di diplomate <laughs> of the American Clinical Board of Nutrition. So, diplomate. What did I say? 
Diplomate. <laughs> so he got a diploma, uh, I guess, of the American Clinical Board okay, of Nutrition. Okay, get off the diploma. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, it just kind of caught my eye. Well, apparently the DABFM is a doctor from the American Board of Functional Medicine. Ah, di- Diplomate di- from the... <laughs> Exactly. So it's kind of a, a, a so this guy a is a diploma mill kind of right. Apparently, facility. if you are a licensed a physician are. in the healthcare field, which includes MD, ND, DC, DO, PhD, DD, I, I could get one. Oh, I could get one. Awesome. Three hundred hours of postgrad work in functional medicine. Fill out your application. Take the board examination. That's doesn't say that you have to pass. Just says you have take to take it. it. <laughs> Functional impairment rating certification by the American Academy of Disability Evaluating Physicians. So impairment certification. He's, he's padding his resume just a little bit. He's written at least four books. He has articles written in the uh, Natural Health articles on the topic of constipation and col- col- colon cleansing, internationally published. And you can go to colonclensconstipation.com with dashes in between. We'll, I don't know. we'll get onto natural news later, What's, but yeah, so. yeah, it, it's a lot of the buzzwords More of crap. you know the government has been quote unquote protecting us from the quote unquote dangers of raw.